hold on, press me right button. There we are. Hello, today I have the lovely Raven with me. Hello, would you like to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about yourself? Hi, I'm Raven McCallan. I write a variety of romance stories from Regency to the present day. Some are hot, some are not, some are rom-com, some are paranormal, um, gay, BDSM, you name it, whatever mood I'm in, depends on what I'm going to write. Although at the moment it tends to be more Regency, a um, little bit paranormally maybe, and also some rom-com, slow, slow chick flick, that sort of stuff. Uh, did you always know that you wanted to be a writer? Well, when I was about seven, I won the Cadbury's Where Does Chocolate Come From competition, where you had to write a story about where chocolate comes from. And the prize was chocolate. And I thought, oh, that's a bit of all right, you know. And, and first year, I got all the chocolate. Second year, the teacher divvied it out between all the class, and I only got one bit. And I thought, no, that's not how it works. <laughs> I presume she was my publisher. But um, so, yes, but when I got to high school, it was sort of knocked out to me. It was a case of, you know, you're writing too flowery, you want factual, you know, you, you're not doing this properly. So for years, I didn't think about it. And then when my children were young, I started making stories up for them. Um, Rumpel Rabbit was a very good one. That got my son to tidy his bedroom because Rumpel Rabbit didn't get any nice presents because he had a messy bedroom. And George the Whateverbird got nothing for dinner because every time his mummy said, what would you like to eat? He said, whatever. So she decided whatever was dinner. So that they were quite good. Um, but yeah, made stories up. And then I suppose everything went but the by for years, didn't get anything done. The first computer we got was, do you remember one of the ones we had to keep putting all the discs in and out every time you wanted to do something? And I wrote a story and sent it off to Mills and Boone. Well, that was a load of rubbish because I didn't know what I was doing. But anyway, I tried. Nothing happened after that until uh, about 10 or 11 years ago and I was off work sick. Mills and Boone had got a competition on Facebook. So you think you can write, you had to send a chapter in, which was the biggest load of rubbish you've ever read. But I got in with other people who were learning to write and we all encouraged each other to try and see what we could do. Um, when I started, I wrote as I thought I should write, not as I could write. And that totally different. You know, you have to you have to accept the fact that, you know, you you might think you ought to write like this. But if that's not the way you write, it's, it's not going to read properly. And it didn't. I had to discover what my voice was. And we were chatting one day on Facebook and we we're all asking each other what we we're going to write and I turned around and said I'm going to write a Regency story and they said what about and I said two women and a man and thought pardon two women and a man what am I going to do and they dared me to write it and I wrote it we all edited it and took out all the errors and I sent it off and it got accepted within a couple of days and that's how I started but I was so lucky that that first publisher which was Breathless Press which no longer exists let me play around with what I could write. So they didn't say, you've written a Regency story, you've got to stick to Regency. So I wrote um, gay stories, I wrote uh, paranormal, I wrote contemporary, I wrote some more historical, I wrote for their, their um, other branch, I wrote young adult books. So it got me a chance to see what I was happiest writing. And I suppose now, 10 years later, it's Regency or it's rom-com, but then every so often I think, I think I'll just write such and such, I'll write a hot story or I'll, I'll write... Um, something about smugglers it just depends what sort of mood I'm in and I think I'm very lucky that I could do that you know I'm not stuck to just one thing oh hello sweetie which <laughs> <laughs> is never far away she always and, likes to come and bite in don't you girl and you're going to you're going to do the interview <laughs> yeah she usually does yeah <laughs> so yeah so that's and that's where I am today so like just ten, just over 10 years later so I think I'm incredibly lucky that I've been able to discover what my voice is voice says I suppose because I've got more than one because I write as Raven I write as Kira Fair and I write as Katie Lilly so I've got the chance to 
dip between the different genres or subgenres, depending on what sort of mood I'm in. So yeah, it's excellent. <laughs> and what drew you to romance initially? Um, I like a happy ever after. I think, I know it sounds daft, but I, I think it's, people say it's dead easy, it's not. I mean, I have so much admiration for people who write for Mills and Boone because it's a really difficult, you know, it's such a narrow parameter that you're allowed to write in for them. And I like lots of other people, I like lots of people in my stories. I like to know what, you know, why this has happened and who's over there. So I, I don't write tight enough for that. My, my, although I keep to the story of his and hers, I like to know what, a bit more about everything that's going around them, I suppose. Um, and I just like romance. I just think without romance, you know, it'd be a pretty sad place, wouldn't it, really? And I, I don't like reading nasties, so I certainly couldn't write a nasty. <laughs> you know, so, um, yeah. That's probably why. I mean, I'll read a Vera, but I couldn't write a Vera, if you know what I mean. You know, I enjoy that. And there's books that you enjoy, you know, you can't write. And I just know that I think, you know, this was this was this was the thing for me. Yeah. Um, how many books have you written now? Do you know the exact number? <laughs> hundred and something. I don't know the exact number. It's hundred and something. They're not all long. I mean, they vary from you know, like short stories of about. 15 to 20,000 because Evernight Publishing, who I also write, also write for, do romance on the go. And the idea is that that's the book that you can get on the tube or the, you know, what do you, the subway or whatever and read it and you finish it by the time you get to work. So I've written quite a lot of those. Um, they're not, I think I've got over a dozen out in print now. So they're, they're definitely longer ones to get them into print, but mainly, mainly ebooks because that's the way things are going these days. You know, people are um, more ebook because you can produce a shorter ebook easier. You know, the, it's, it's, it's more feasible for a publisher, I suppose. But they're not all in print now because most, most of the ones from Bethlehem's Press are out of print. And although I have updated some of them, I haven't updated a lot of them. But I think at the last count, it was 100, 100, 100 and something. I think I got, got stuck at 100, so. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> okay. But then for a lot of the time, my husband was at work, I was at home, you know, if he was away for work, it was something to do, especially in Scotland in the winter, where you shut your curtains at three o'clock and you don't open them again until 10 o'clock the next morning, you know, it kept me, kept me busy out of mischief. Yeah. <laughs> um, and does your husband know what you write? Oh yeah. Has he ever yeah. been interested in reading them all? Um, he's read a couple of them. It's not really romance is not really his thing, but I have sort of you know sort of said to him, "Can you check this bit for me? Can you check that bit for me?" Um, talking about the have you have you written? Um, quite a few years ago, Paul's away for work, and I was writing a I was writing a love scene. I was writing a sex scene. And I couldn't work. I'm sitting there thinking, "But it's all like this." So Doris O'Connor, the late Doris O'Connor, who wrote a lot of books for um, Evernight, uh, really fantastic author, who's my best mate, and I'm honorary grandparent to all of her kids. She died a few years ago from cancer, but I, I said to her, "Do you think this makes sense?" I was we were on Skype or something. About half an hour later, my phone rang. I pick it up. It's her husband. He says, "Yes, it does. Thank you very much." <laughs> And that was, he, he actually said that at her funeral because it was just something that was so, it was so part of, you know, some of the conversations we used to have was so funny, but I thought that that one took the biscuit. That was really quite, quite good. And I will say to Paul, does, does, what word am I looking for? Or does this make sense? And he'd say, no, or you're looking for X, you know. But if I, if I said to him, would you read it? He would, but he's not a romance reader, you know. Um, so he reads some of them, yeah. <laughs> bless him. Yeah, bless him. <laughs> <laughs> At least you not a <laughs> <laughs> um, Probably uh, an impossible question to answer, but do you have a favourite character out of all those books? Yes, yes. I do actually. I do actually. Um, 
I think that there's, there's in one of the um, Domissima series, which is for Ever Night, there's a guy called Athel. And I don't know whether this is a guy, a guy who's um, lived with it. It's him and his partner for night, and eventually the two blokes get together again. But I just, I loved writing him because I, he, I wrote him and then a friend of mine and his husband, in where we used to live, I said, look, would you please read this story and tell me if it makes sense? And he says, it's absolutely, it makes excellent sense. It's totally right. And I think that was one of the nicest things that, that ever happened. You know, the fact that he could actually say, that yes, it does make sense. And yes, it is right. And the other one I like, um, is in the Katie Lilly series, the three De the Devon trilogy, the middle one, which is called um, Second Chances for Lottie Bot. I just love Lottie because she's such a horrible person at the beginning of the book, of her own self. By the end of it, she's, I think she's, well, I think she's such a nice person. And I just loved her. I loved writing her because I, you know, it's trying to get get behind the way she's looked at this bloke's bum, but she thought she shouldn't really be looking at it because nice people don't do that sort of thing. <laughs> and it was just... It's just fun to write. I think you fall in love with whatever book you're writing, because if you don't, why are you writing it? Um, you know, and you have favourite books. I mean, I think one of the favourite ones I ever wrote was, was a book called Master. Um, and I wrote that quite a few years ago. And you, people love it or hate it. There's no middle ground. You either find somebody that absolutely loves this book, you find somebody that absolutely hates that book. Um, which I find quite interesting, you know, just different opinions, because you can't please all the people all the time, you know. So you just have to, you have to, one of the things you have to learn is get a thick skin and accept that you're either going to try and write and please everybody or you won't or you write to please yourself and hope it pleases other people and sometimes it does and that's, that's, that's the main thing yeah um is there any of your books you'd like to be a character in yourself um i'm writing one at the moment where she's a female smuggler in the regency i wouldn't mind that actually that sounds quite that sounds quite good there's an awful lot i wouldn't want to be <laughs> um I don't know, I fall in love with whoever I'm writing, I think, really, because, you know, you, and every, I don't care what anybody says, well, for me, every, every heroine has a little bit of me and you can't not have, because you're thinking, now, how would I think in this situation? How would she think in this situation? And you're trying to, or I'm trying to sort of mix the two bits together. And it's like, if somebody says to me, is that real? Generally speaking, I can say, well, yes. Apart from the fact when somebody asked me for all my Regency books, had I, had I done everything that was in them? And I went, not quite. No, I wasn't born 200 years ago. <laughs> but, but generally speaking, um, the facts are right. You know, if I've put a fact in it, it's because it's right. And when some, a long while ago, somebody tried to pull me up because um, I'd put a five-star hotel that had self-catering in it. And I got told in uncertain terms, no five-star hotel would have self-catering. So I sent them the link to the one I based it on. <laughs> I love it when you can do that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think there's some things that we don't know what's happened 200 years ago. Of course you don't. You've got to guess at some of this stuff. But if you can verify something, well, you do it. Well, I do anyway, you know. So if somebody says to me, is, is there really a path from X to Y? And I can say, yes, there is, because I've walked it or, or whatever. Or, you know, is that hotel really on that street in Hong Kong or whatever? Yes, it is, because I've walked past it. I've been in it. You know, I've stopped in it. Or, or get, get your facts right when you can, which is why I like writing about places I've been to. Because then at least I, I know that what I'm, that specific fact is right at the time that, I was there, you know, I mean, five years later, it might not be, but it was at the time I was there or the time I was writing the book, you know. And if someone tells me a book I wrote eight years ago, something's not true anymore. Well, I'm sorry, but it was when the book came out, you know, that's all you can do. Um, but I never mind somebody telling me I've got something wrong because we're all human and it's very easy to get things wrong, isn't it? you know, and um, it's like how you spell things as well, you know, different people spell it. And and um, I think one of the classic ones was <clears throat> the Macallan whiskey for instance, which is a play on my name. 
and a long while ago, and it's a very long while ago, and I don't think this editor still edits anymore, so she won't know who I'm talking about anyway. And if she does, I'm sorry, but you were wrong. Um, she said she said me a thing, and I put whiskey, W-H-I-S-K-Y, which is Scottish whiskey. And she put an E in it, and I said, there is no E in whiskey. If it's Scotch, there is. If it's bourbon or if it's um, rye, there is. If it's, if it's um, Irish, but there isn't if it's Scots. If you don't put an E in, a certain nationality of viewers will think that it's a of readers will think that's a typo and I said and if I put an e in it I will be divorced because my husband will think I don't know how to spell the whiskey <laughs> oh and it's a it's a massive bugbear mind it's a standing joke now I say whiskey no e no e no e you know and somebody argued the toss with me one day and told me that it that there was no such thing as whiskey without an e and just about 50 other people come yes there is <laughs> And it, it's it's silly, but it's a real bugbear. You know, there is no E in Scotch. <laughs> Sorry, rant over. <laughs> Here ended the lesson of Joanna and on whiskey. <laughs> I can tell you, you're totally over it anyway, that, you know, it doesn't bother you at all. It anymore. I just, yeah. I just I got to a point where I actually would write anything rather than malt whiskey. I'd put a single malt or I'd put, the, I'd put you know, a glass of Scotch, but I wouldn't actually write the word whiskey in case somebody jumped down my throat. <laughs> Oh yeah, I know people are so sensitive, aren't they? Honestly, I think it's it, and it's what you're used to. And of course, if 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 you if you live in a country where it's got an E, you automatically put whiskey with an E. I I at that point lived in Scotland, which was country, and I was talking about Scotch, so I didn't put an E in it. You know, it's just, it's just. But it is funny how people. I mean, I it, I laugh about it when I say it, but some people get so riled up. You're thinking blood pressure, blood pressure, calm down. <laughs> Yeah, bless them. <laughs> but it's it's fun and um yeah, I mean as I say, I have people joke about it now. Somebody would say, I've just had a glass and I'm raving, don't get it upset, but it is whiskey with an E in it, you know, and I say, That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> and we all take it in in the in the manner it's meant. It's a it's a bit of humour, you know, it's just uh, uh. <laughs> Do you hide any secret jokes or messages in your book that only a few people will understand? No, but I do use slang. Um, I think you know, you've got you've got me there. I don't know that. I, I maybe do without even realise I'm doing it. You know, because I I mean living in living in Scotland. It, I was born in England, but I was born in a place called Corby in Northamptonshire, which is more Scottish than Scotland. And when I was growing up, it's something like ninety three percent Scots there. People had come down to work the steelworks when the steelworks first opened. And I think it was only about two, two or three percent English of who I was one. My mum's a Cockney, my dad was from the next town. But I grew up speaking with a, quite a Scottish accent because obviously all my mates were Scottish. So it can have a wee bit of this, my cairn and what have you, you know. So when we moved to Scotland, my husband would sort of say to me, pardon? And I, but I'd gone back, I mean, admittedly I'd gone back to being an 18 year old, but I'd gone back to... Everything was just so natural to me because it was just that I was talking the Scottish accent because I've been Scottish for so long, you know. And it, it, and, I, and I do pick up accents really easily, so I might put wee wee bits in. You see, you've got me a little bit in. So I suppose every so often there will be something that somebody will say, Haha, "I know what she's talking about," and occasionally um, I'll put something in that might relate to one of the other books. I can't think offhand, but I know there was something I wrote the other day, and I thought anybody who's read this this series will get the the, the reference to that. And it's not. It's not sort of trying to take a dig at, oh, this is what some people know, this is what other, others don't. It's just to think, because that's just what comes to mind while you're writing it, you know. But I will say I'll have a wee bit, and, and um, I suppose a lot in, if, you, if you're writing um, speech, you know, and you, you, your editor or something says, hey, do you, I'm presuming this is just a way of speech. It's not, it's not you miss having missing word out. No, no, it's just the way it'd be, be said, you know, wherever. So um, bits, bits like that, yeah. 
Are you gonna be sneaking Yorkshire in then in the next <laughs> the next week you write? <laughs> uh, by, by that. I don't know, lass. Um yeah, if it's if it's set in an area, I try to use a wee bit or a little bit of the local dialect because it sets the scene, but you don't want to use too much because it'll turn people off reading it. Because if they don't understand it, I, I mean I'm the same. If it's a great long bit in, in Doric or if it's a great long bit in but in any sort of dialect from anywhere, if you don't understand it and you can't get the gist of it, you just tend to block it out. So you can put, like, you can say, um, oh, it's blowing a hoolie. I hate it when it's as windy as this. So you've actually explained what blowing a hoolie means. And, and like, you can put, if you do, if it's a local lass in Devon, you can put a little bit of the Devon accent. You can talk about, you know, um, different, uh, like, what do they call, I can't remember, whatever they call the people who just come down and snowbirds and all this sort of stuff for when you're in school. So, you can put bits in, but I think you've got to not, well, I personally don't go too far because I know how I feel when I read something that's that's just got too much of it in it. But I think if you don't put that little bit in, then it takes away from the fact that where the story is. And if you've got, say, somebody in Regency Times from Yorkshire who doesn't speak what we would have been known as the King's English or the Queen's English, then you've got to have a little bit because otherwise if you write it too properly, that's not going to read. As, as it should be but it's easy just to get away with putting like yeah I'm running taking the G off the end or something like that you know just to just to sort of try and set the scene and try and get get a make a mental picture of the person that you that's actually talking or you're trying to describe what's been one of the most fun scenes that you've written um I bet you're making me snigger now um Lottie bought getting her dress cut on a nail and showing her knickers I think was quite <laughs> funny because I can remember years ago, there was a film called The Parent Trap with Hayley Mills. And I'm going back to the original ones. So I'm going back to the 50s. And that happened in that film. And I can remember at the cinema watching everybody going, <gasps> and so went. So that when I, when I wrote that, I mean, I just I did snigger a bit. And, and then that was in the first book in the series, and then which was called The um, New Beginnings for Bryony Bennett. And then in the second book, somebody had written a poem about Lottie getting a, a knickers, showing her knickers and getting a dress caught on a nail and what have you. And I found, I found that was quite quite fun to write um it is silly things that hit you sometimes it's might only be a couple of lines and it just just tickles you because you just think I can really see that happening or I really know what that would be like and and it or it could be something really dead romantic about you know you're standing overlooking the sea and the sun's coming down and it's all the, the reflections on the sea and you're just thinking oh I remember that one day you know or um a, mummy, a monkey came up to me once when I was in Barbados and just, just come, didn't come right up to me. I was sat out, I was writing, it was about six o'clock in the morning. And I looked up, there's this monkey sitting about three foot away, staring at me like that. And the minute I looked up, it went away. And I'm thinking, well, I hadn't got anything to give it. So it was just, <laughs> it went away. <laughs> Excuse me, I'm going to blow my nose out. That's better. So it, it's, um, yeah, it... I think that in, a, in every book you write, there's always one bit that you, th you think that's the bit that I like best. And so often it's not the best bit that somebody else likes best, which is really quite funny. You know, you think, I think that's the best bit I've ever written. And someone, oh, I like it. Well, I like that bit. So it, it, that gives you good insight into how different people like different things, which I think is, is brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, uh, have you made lots of author friends since you started writing? Yeah, I've been very lucky actually. Um, 
quite a lot of years ago, my, my, my children decided they would do gap years. One went to Australia and one went to New Zealand. And although they're different school years, they both happened to be away at the same time. So we sort of both pleaded with our employers and got four weeks off to go off out to see them, which was absolutely fantastic. So we went to Australia and went to New Zealand. And there is, um, and there was a Mills and Boone author called Robin Donald. Now, I'll hold my hands up and say, I have been a Mills and Boone reader for years. My mum set me off on them when I was about 16. That, Georgia Hare, you know, you, you know. And Robin Donald's books, I always, always liked. And I'd sent her messages. And one of the reasons I wanted to go to New Zealand, apart from the fact my daughter was out there, was her descriptions of the country just made me think, this is the place I want to go and see. So when I knew we were going, I sent her a message and just said that. And she came back and said, this is fantastic news. You must come for tea. So we went up to Kerry Kerry, where she lived, and I went for tea and had a fantastic chat with her. It was brilliant. She said to me, you were going to go home and you were going to promise me you were going to try and write a book. And that's really another reason that first book came out. Because, you know, and... Um, so she was sorry, probably like the first proper author author friend like that. But then there's an amazing um, Harlequin writer called Marguerite Kay, who's the lady who's writing with the Duchess of um, with Fergie in you know, for Duchess of York at the moment. And Marguerite and I got together because I'd gone to um, to listen to her do a talk and a and like a um, helping session in Glasgow, and we became friends. So I, I miss her because we used to meet up like three or four times a year. We used to have a lovely, very boozy day in Glasgow, um, cocktails and something nice to eat, and wander around the shops and spend lots of money. And and you know, and she's been so helpful telling me where sort of where I've gone wrong. So you know, people like that. But there's lots of people who we all started off at the same time, and we've all got really friendly being 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 writers. And as I say, I find it very difficult. After Doris died, I find it very hard to get to, to know what to do. And then I found, but when she was in hospital, she died of cancer, which they didn't discover for a long while. But when she was in hospital, I says, come on, you know this book that you and I were going to write, we're going to start it now. So she's in hospital typing on her iPad and I'm at home and we did a bit and then, asked, and then she said, I find it harder to type, right? tell me how this book's going to go. So I actually finished it off and sent that off. Um, and that's what got me really back into writing again after that, because I find after Doris gone, I find it really hard to settle um, into doing it. So that's, that got good. And then Cassie O'Brien, who I write with at the moment, I mean, she's a, she's a great help. We have a good moan to each other when need be and, you know, nag each other. And um, there's been so many people that have been so helpful, you know, and, and some of them you've never met. I went off and met um, Catherine Weifel in France a couple of years ago, you know, just because just I was going past, oh, you must come in. I met her and her husband. My husband and I went for lunch and, <clears throat> excuse me. And where I live now, there is a writer's group in Beverly that I've not been to yet, just because surely I just literally haven't managed to get through there on the days that it's open, but I will do. I'd like to get into that. Um, and then there's M Taylor who lives in Scotland. We used to meet up every so often and she said, no, you're all the way down there, but she's coming down in the summer. It's, it, there's loads of people that you don't, you, there's a lot of people you know through Facebook from all the writing groups on Facebook, but actually getting to meet a lot of people. No, you don't really, because writing is quite a solitary occupation, you know, and because we're all around the world, you know, there's people that yeah, I'd love to meet up with there. You know, is it ever going to happen? I don't know. Um, you hope so. And you hope that, you know, next time you go out on holiday somewhere, if we ever get out on holidays again, you know, that we'll be able to meet up with somebody and, and chat to them. So, um, yeah, I've been very lucky. I've been, I've had, I've had some fantastic help with people who have just, you know, sort of encouraged me and said, yeah, you can do it and carry on with it. And, and I think that's, that's the good thing about writing. I mean, Darcy Berlin, who, I've never met in person, but I mean, we've got on really well. And you just know that there are some people that if you're stuck, you can turn around and say, look, I need somebody to rant to, or I need some help, or I can't do this. And they'll, say, they'll put down whatever they're doing. So, all right, come on, 
let's get on with it, you know, and either on the phone or on, on like this or or whatever. So yeah, it's it, it, it is a very, generally speaking, I wouldn't say it for everybody, but generally speaking, the writers are a very supportive group and do try to help each other. Yeah, I hear that a lot. And my experience says exactly the same as well. So it's lovely, it really is. I think, I think apart from the fact as well, is that most people, most writers don't make much money, let's be totally honest about this. And I think we all know what it's like to struggle and to get your book out there. And we all know what it's like if you don't get any support. I mean, one of the first things I got told was you will get bad reviews, you will grow a thick skin or you will never pick, you will never put pen to paper again, you know. And it's true. And but you get good reviews as well, you know, and you take the rough with the smooth. And one thing we always say is you can't please everybody all of the time. So please yourself and then you'll please somebody else, hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so do you get a lot of feedback from your readers? It varies. I've got a call. I've got a, a group, group on Facebook and it's called the Ravdor Chicks, which was Raven and, and Doris and then Chicks. I don't know where that came from. Doris picked that out. <clears throat> and there's a core of people on there who are absolutely fantastic. They're supportive. They, if I say I've got some a, a, an ARC, which like, well, no, we're going to buy the book, you know, uh, they'll give me really good feedback. They're honest, but they're not, they're not rude or they're not brutal, but they'll say, actually, we don't like this bit because, or we think that bit's fantastic because, um, but there's nothing nicer when somebody just sort of says, oh, I, I, I bought your book the other day. I'd never read one of your books before. I've been and bought another one. And that, it, that, is, that is so nice, you know, the fact that somebody's actually, or somebody, I even had somebody one day who'd they'd, um, been given an advanced read copy to review, but they liked it so much they went and bought it. And you're thinking, but you've already got it. You didn't have to go and buy it. No, I wanted to, because I thought, you know, and I thought, oh, that's, that's lovely. You also get somebody saying, I'll never buy one of your books again. It was rubbish. But I mean, fine, that's your opinion. <laughs> that, that, that's totally your opinion. You are totally, I don't like you for saying it, but you are totally entitled to say it. Because I can, I can start a book and think, I can't finish this. You know, I mean, not very often, but sometimes with the best will in the world, you just think this is just not for me. It happens, yeah. Yeah. So if anybody wants to join the Ravdor Tricks, it's on Facebook. Yeah. <laughs> Um, if you're able to spend a day with any author, dead or alive, who would you like to spend a day with? Um, that's a really strange one because somebody once said that to me. I know it's she's not. I'd love to have spent the day with Golda Meir. You know, the she was Israeli president. And she did write a book, and I just thought that I thought I, I really, really admired what she wrote. Miss Reed, who's not a romance author, don't know if you've ever heard of her. I'm going back a bit. Miss Reed was a school teacher between the wars and she wrote two series of books called village school which was all about so uh, one series and then another one called thrust screen and although the books were old-fashioned her descriptions are fantastic and i'd have loved to have actually spoken to her to see where she got that from and another woman called doreen tovey who wrote about siamese cats also i mean i'm going back my, my mum and dad put me onto these so more, more years ago than i dare mention i loved those but romance authors um I do, I like some of Stephanie Lawrence's books, but not all of them. I don't hate any of them, but I love Devil's Bride. I think that's probably one of my favorite Regency books ever. So I'd love to chat to her. Nora Roberts, because how the hell does she do it? You know I mean? She, and weirdly enough, um, Anne Cleves, who writes Vera, because I think I love the way she can dip between Vera and Shetland and get the two different, you know, things. And then obviously some of my friends, but you know, um, if you're talking about sort of, well-known names, I suppose, yeah. Martin Walker, who writes the um, Bruno books set in the Dordogne because I was a Dordogne and I've been to some of the places he's written about, you know, and um, I think I'd, I'd just be interested. Um, I mean, I can't say Marguerite because I've, I've met Marguerite quite a lot of times, but I'd love to know how people 
like where do you get your ideas from because people say that to me and half the time I've got absolutely no idea it'd be something ridiculous like listening to two people on the next table splitting up and discovering they weren't married to each other they were just having an affair and splitting up and my husband said to me if you move your chair further back you'll be sitting in there pudding you know um and I'd love to know where they get their ideas from it, it, it just I just think it's fascinating to find out how somebody can suddenly write this write this book and they've had to have got all these ideas the starting the middle and the finish where you know are they a plotter are they a pantster why are they a plotter or why are they a pantster do they dip between the two I the, you know you could you could go on and on and on and on and, and just sort of chat to them yeah but, but historical, I mean, I'll, I'll hold my hand up. I'm not much of a classics reader. I, I, I never had, I got fed, force, force fed them at school and it turned me off reading them. And I think that's a shame, but it's how it works for a lot of people, I think, as well. Yeah. And there's a couple that I'd read again, um, but most of them that I was made to read, I would never touch. Just the thought no, of it. Like, it's the same, isn't it? But it, I think yeah. it just gets you, gets you like that, you know. Um, you know, I mean, the first book, going back when I was very small the first book that I can remember was called Mitten the Kitten Mitten the Kitten the kitten with the mitten Mitten the Kitten your hope that was his song and my auntie evidently my auntie read it to me when I, she was pregnant and I was two and my mum said she said at the end of my mum I wish this baby be born because I'm sick of this blue Mitten the Kitten <laughs> <laughs> okay Milly Molly Mandy you know I mean and then I you sort of say do you, and you're reading them to your children and it gets a bit old-fashioned well, yes I know it's old-fashioned <laughs> <laughs> and you just, um, you know, um, I, think, I just think I love the way, although everything's changed and the way writing seems to have changed and, and what's acceptable now wouldn't be acceptable 10 years ago and what's acceptable in 10 years time wouldn't be, you know, it's still, you've still got the core in all the books. You still have to have a start in the middle and the end and end it, you know, and if it's a romance, you want a happy ever after or a happy for now. And if it's a, if it's a mystery, you want to be able to solve the mystery. And if it's a crime, you want to know who, you know, you know there's, there's this thing that, got, that runs through them all. Yeah, no, I see. Is that your, t- I can hear something, I don't know if it's my laptop or your telly, but I can hear every so often, I think it must be somebody outside clicking into this. <laughs> I can hear somebody talking. I haven't got anything else on. But... <laughs> um, what do you like to do when you're not writing? <laughs> um, well, I used to say travel, but that's not much traveling going on at the moment. <laughs> uh, I'm trying to learn how to knit. I'm left-handed. I was taught right-handed, so it's not natural. And if I drop a stitch, I have to find somebody to pick it up for me. Luckily, my next-door neighbour is a very good knitter, so I've got someone here who's have someone who's got, I've dropped a stitch, you know. Um, crochet, although I, had, I hadn't done it for so long, I had to look up how to crochet again, but I was crocheting the edge around a baby jacket. Um, I like tapestry. Can't do cross-stitch anymore. I find it too tiring on the eyes. Um, I'm trying to do a bit of sewing, but I'm not the world's best machinist. But I do mess around. I like walking, um, but can't walk too far. I've got a dodgy knee. It's getting old. But it's lovely walking along the coast and so just going out and about like that. Reading, I can't, I can't, can't imagine someone who doesn't like reading. I mean, I have always got, I've always got a book on the go, often more than one book on the go. I mean, people moan about, about an e-reader, but seriously, when I got my first e-reader, my, my husband suddenly said to me, I've got loads of space in my suitcase. We were going on holiday. I went, <clears throat> he says, why? Because normally you have half of my clothes in there because my suitcase would be full of books because I would take a book a day on holiday. You know, that was that was my idea of if you're going on a like a beach holiday or somewhere with the kid, I would have a book a day with me. And, and that had, it had to be. So that I think has been, that's quite interesting. The fact that, you you know, I had to take a book everywhere with me. Um, 
Paul and I just like sometimes if it's a nice weather, I'll he'll be in the garden and I'll be pushing around, you know, doing this, that, and the other. Uh, loved loved traveling, learning new places, going to see new places, going back to places you know because you always find something different that you've missed the time before. But this last year, it's been learning to get a new house. We've moved house, doing the garden, finding what it's like down here, you know. So. Um, Indoors, yeah, it'd be reading or I'll be doing tapestry or, or something like that. Um, outdoors, it'd be reading <laughs> or be gardening or, or just walking. I just like, you know, sort of walking about. Nothing nothing over the top. I'm not particularly adventurous, although I have been up. I did come down halfway the Great Wall of China on my bum because I lost my bottle. Um, the kids are planting around like, you know, and I'm going down, I'll just go down this bit. You know, I'm scared to yeah, I'm quite happy just to, to, to poodle around, I think is a good is a good expression. Yeah. Um and I've always got a notebook with me because you never know when you know an idea might strike might strike. I did nearly get a white van man crash into a um, a lamppost because we were stuck at some traffic lights and they'd been stuck on red and I sat there and I suddenly had and it was so I pulled into the side because I've got this there was a label. I, I must I must think of this. And I I'd been thinking and I'll put some on the label. I got back into the car, this white van jumped, and I suddenly said to myself, damn, I forgot to tell him he's got to I'm gonna take his underwear off or something. I can't remember and this white van went. <laughs> Because I was in a soft top car and I got the lid down. <laughs> Looking out loud, he put his window open. You can see him thinking, I better get away from this mad woman. <laughs> so that was, that, was, that was an interesting one. I thought, oh dear. <laughs> yeah, I'd love to have heard him try to explain that to his insurance company as well. Can you imagine? This woman in the hotel talking about telling a guy to get his kegs off. <laughs> yeah, but now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so. Uh, Yes, like eating out, but not so much now, obviously, you know, something like that. And also, I'm, I now can't eat gluten, so I'm very bit more careful about what we do. But just, I think just trying, taking each day as it comes at the moment and, and enjoying it and just be glad that I still can do things. So I'm still here and I can still go for a walk or I can read or whatever, you know, and enjoy it. I think you've got to, you've got to take each day as it comes and each day is the first day of the rest of your life and enjoy it. Yeah. And if yeah, I get miserable, I'll shake myself up and tell me to behave myself. <laughs> or go and eat chocolate. <laughs> That's always good. Chocolate and wine works wonders. Um, well, I can't think of any more questions for you unless you think there's anything I haven't asked you about that you want to tell us. Uh, I'll tell you about my latest books. Yes, that would be because, um, as I say, I've just started a romantic comedy series for Totally Bound, and it's called Romancer Castle. Romancer being romance in Gaelic, and uh, so it's called Happy. Ever, the series is called Happy Ever After at Romancer Castle. The first book's called The Fix Up, and that comes out later on this year. The second book is working in the title of Jan, Jan and Tom. I don't know what their story will be. And the third one will be Zach. Zach. So it's three people that are all, all tied up with this castle, and it's their romance stories all set around this castle. Um, I've also got a short, the short story that came out in The Love Token, it's called The Love Token, which was in the um, Happy Ever After Valentine's Day, totally bound, that came out yesterday um and that's actually set in yorkshire where i live now and it's all about spies and spies and smugglers and school duckery and sex um and that although it won't be part of the series there is a series that is going to based on that if that makes sense and it's all set around a guy um in the first book you meet this guy called jamie clubley who could be a smuggler but we don't know if it's a smuggler and the next book is about him 
and the woman he comes in contact with and then the third book is about her brothers so it's all tied in tied around here but because the east yorkshire coast has so much of it has been lost over the last three there's, there's a dozen two dozen villages that don't exist anymore because of the way that the, the cliffs have crumbled and they've been taken off into the sea um they're actually doing a big dig for one just off the humber at the moment so that got me interested because i was walking along the coast and it shows you where all the villages were and I'm like, ah, so i've got basically the series is all set around smugglers and it'll be all smuggling along here and then um cassie o'brien and i have got a series with totally bound um which the first and it's called the scots and the sassanacs because it's based with somebody from scotland and somebody from england and that's the three book series and we've just finished our second book we're halfway through writing the third book for that and that's sort of it's, they're, all, yeah, they're all standalones but they're intertwined and then we've we've got an idea that we're we're writing ourselves for the summer which is all set around a cove on the east on the south coast of um, Devon and uh, it's all about you know the history of the cove but it's, it's basically about five friends and one mum who set up an enterprise in this cove and what happens with them so that'll be a series of books but we're not in any mad hurry to write that that's just going to be our once we've got everything done that we've got to do that's going to be our play if you like so we're going to play around with that and uh, see what happens with those but apart from that it's just you know I'm going to be a grandma in the next few weeks so <laughs> I'm waiting to see I'm waiting to see what grandchild I get <laughs> which is why I'm trying to learn how to knit yeah. <laughs> yes but no I, I just think I just think I'm very lucky I'm really lucky that I had the chance to to write I'm really lucky that a publisher accepted me right back at the beginning and let me play around with what I can write which has shown me what I think my strengths and weaknesses are. And I'm really lucky that my publishers now both let me, to a certain extent, and let me do the same sort of thing because this rom-coms were totally bound. It's not something that, that I've written for them before, but they loved it and they accepted it and they want the series. So I just think I'm a very, very lucky. And also writing with writing with Cassie, we're writing by ourselves as well as for a publisher. Um, I've slowed down, I've slowed down like mad because now Paul's retired and we've moved house. We've got so many things we can do together. Whereas when you're by yourself, you you, have, you know, you, you tend to fill your time in. But I'm enjoying it as much, if not more, because, um, although he does get suddenly say, why have you stopped there? Well, you see that little cove bit down there? Well, if you went around that corner, there's a cave. Now I could have somebody hidden in that cave and nearly get down and go, okay. <laughs> Or, or I'll be, we, we, I can't remember, we were, walk, we were walking across an island in, in Hong Kong a few years ago and I went, you see that truck down there? That's where my heroine and hero had to hide from the rain and pour it. I don't even want to know anymore. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, very lucky. And, um, you know, and if people, I love it when people, I love it when somebody gets back to me and says they enjoyed my book. I love it if they get back and tell me they didn't, as long as they tell me why. If somebody just says, I hate it, one star. Well, that's not helping me. It's shown that you didn't enjoy it, but you're not helping me understand what was wrong with it. You know, well, why you didn't enjoy it. And okay, I might not agree with you, but if you don't tell me why, I haven't got a chance to find out whether I agree with you or not, you know. So is there anybody that wants to, you know, write to me or I've got a website, it's ravenmccallan.com, you know, so my website, or people who want to just say, yes, I enjoyed it. No, I didn't. What are you writing next? I'm always happy to chat with people because I think it's important that, People know I'm here, 
and a lot of people don't know I'm here. And also, I want, I want people to read my books. I want them to enjoy it. And I want them to tell me what they think was good, what they think was bad. And uh, like one of my readers keeps saying to me, when are you going to write another book with Athel in? And I think she says that to me every year. And I'm saying, what, what, what else can I write about him? I mean, we've had, I've, had, I've got him married. We've talked about their kid. We've done something like, you know, what do you, I don't, you don't want me to get him divorced. You know, no, 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 don't divorce. Him. I, say, well, I don't know what else to write. <laughs> He's not old enough to be a granddad yet. <laughs> So, so she's going to say, sorry, Tina, you're going to have to wait, you know. <laughs> but thank you for talking to me and thank you for letting it's me know. It's been a pleasure. Off. We got there in the end, third time did, lucky. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly, a third time lucky. We did, we did really well. I deserve a glass of wine tonight after all of that. <laughs> um, so just remind everyone where they can get your books from and where they can find out more about you. Right, well, I've got a website, which is ravenmccallan.com. I also am on Facebook as Raven McCallan or as uh, in the Ravdor Chicks, which is R capital R-A-V, capital D-O-R Chicks, which is what was set up for myself and Doris O'Connor. So there's that, I always talk about books in there. Um, totally Bound on their website, um, Evernight on their website. All my books are on Amazon and Kobo um, and you just either search for Raven McCallan. If you want the ones about government sanctioned killers who feed traitors to the pigs because the pigs will eat them in half an hour that's Kira Fair and if you want the first three rom-com books that's Katie Lilly and they're all all on Amazon underneath those names um, and hopefully I'll be able to bring my young adult books out again at some point but at the moment they're not in print sadly so, and that's me. Brilliant well thank you very much. Sure, thank you very much as well so take care. <laughs>